come, let's look at uh, God's word. If you have your Bibles with you, uh, the scripture is on the screen, but I always, always uh, recommend and encourage you to uh, have an open Bible right in front of you. Turn in your, in your Bible with me to Mark, Mark's gospel, uh, chapter six. And uh, I wanted to dwell on the first six verses as we draw a few uh, thoughts in, for our devotion this morning. Uh, following which we will uh, go into the, go to the Lord's table. Mark chapter 6, verses 1 to 6. Of course, you have to take it within context of what has just happened. Uh, he has just done something amazing in, in, in the previous verse. He had commanded them to strictly uh, tell that nobody should know this and, and said uh, uh, that, something should, uh, that something should be given to her to eat. Um, then we get into chapter 6, verse 1, where we begin with him moving away from that area and going back to his hill country, to his, his area where his family and his known people are from. He went away from there and came to his hometown and his disciples went with him. They followed him. And on the Sabbath, uh, that would have been the Saturday, he began to teach in the synagogue. That was something that he would do. On a fairly regular basis, he was at uh, pretty much every synagogue, well known by this time. And on the, on the Sabbath, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many who heard him, many who heard him were astonished. Now, before we think this is positive, you're going to have to wait and see where, where this goes. Uh, we're talking about his, his country town, where he's from, his own people, those who are near and dear and those who know him. And remember the population in those days wasn't a lot. So everybody knew everybody. On the Sabbath, he began to teach in the synagogue and many who heard him were astonished saying, where did this guy? And I use that word because it's like he was a local fellow from here. Where did this man get these things? You know, what's he claiming to be? What, what is the wisdom given to him? Uh, how are such mighty works done by his hands? Uh, where is this coming from? And then they questioned it. Isn't this the carpenter's son, Joseph's son? We know Joseph. We hung out with Joseph. He's the son of Mary, the brother of James. Joseph. We, know, we know all his family members, his siblings. Joseph, uh, Judas, Simon, and his sisters, they're here with us. They've married you know, around here. We, we, we know them. Look at this phrase. And they took offense at him. And they took offense at him. I just stopped there and I'm like, he comes in, he's got the wisdom of God flowing. He's teaching in the synagogue. He's obviously now, you know, uh, he's got the position and, and respect of a rabbi. He's uh, doing wonders, mighty works they themselves are attesting to. And they took offense at him. Hold that thought. Jesus obviously knows the words and the tone, and he responds in verse 4. He says, a prophet is not without honor. A prophet is not without honor, except in his own hometown and among his own relatives, in his own household. Just hold that slide for a moment. A, the prophet, a prophet, is not without honor, except in his own So he has honor. Wherever he goes on the larger circuit, his ministry is accepted. His, his, uh, his words are, are trusted. 
but at home it becomes difficult to actually do anything great for the Lord, to be a witness. At home it becomes hard to stand for the things that you believe, to preach or teach or talk with conviction, to pray like you, uh, like you believe it. Sometimes the most discouraging and uh, unsupportive environment, climate, people are in our own homes. Sometimes we are surrounded by ungodly people. Uh, sometimes we're surrounded by uh, faithless or those whose faith has waned and warmed, uh, warned off. Sometimes our very own families, our very own people will be the ones to discourage us from doing the work of God. Well, Jesus experienced this. He struggled with this. He experienced it. Now, we can't quote this for ourselves. That would be very audacious. But we do see a sentiment here that we can connect with. A prophet is without honor, except in his own hometown and among his relatives and in his own house. All, all three, hometown, the larger family, and people living under the same roof. Look at verse 5. Oh, this is terrible. And he could do no mighty work there. That is so sad. He could do, you have the son of God, the, the man who has been bestowed by the, by the power, all the power of the almighty. He has the father living in him. He has the spirit of God working through him. All the Trinity is embodied in him and he is on earth in the flesh, ready to change your life, ready to be in your home, live in your home and do your work. And all because of, we know him, we know this, he can't possibly be the work of God. He can't, he can't possibly be used and no wisdom from God can flow through this brother or sister or uncle or auntie or Father or mother, oh, that's not possible. And he could do no mighty work there. And this is the part I find a little uh, humorous, but also sad. He could do no mighty work there, hold it, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. Huh. He, he, he laid his hand on a few sick people. And he, in, in, in India, in, in our world, in our time, we call that uh, uh, signs and wonders. We call that healing crusades. Jesus, Jesus put that as an afterthought to he could do no mighty work there. But just a few signs and wonders and miracles of healing. So what we consider such amazing, miraculous work of healing, Jesus considers crumbs off the table. He considers that that's all he was able to do because of the amount of unbelief. <laughs> that, that's, that's a telling narrative uh, commentary on, on, on where we are because we think healing is amazing. We, uh, the, uh, the greatest we can ever expect from God in terms of miracles in our lives is healing. And he says he could not do any mighty work there. So healings is not mighty work for God, for Jesus. It wasn't the greatest thing. It was the least 
it was at the bottom of the scale of anything good he could do. I mean, you couldn't get past the compassion of Jesus when you're sick. So he's like, okay, what? Let's just heal you. Let's just heal you. I mean, there's no faith in this town. Jesus came into the town. He came in back to his family. He came back to his own people. And his own people could not see or experience the mighty work except a little bit of healing that happened. And verse 6 is a very sad state, very sad sentence. He marveled. He marveled because of their unbelief. He found their faithlessness. He found their unbelief amusing. He found it, he found it odd. He found it out of the normal. And I said to myself, we are expecting great things from God, but are the great things we are expecting from God the least that he can do? And are the great things that God want to, wants to do not possible, he could do no mighty work, because of our unbelief? So what is the state of our faith? If I was to put the spiritual thermometer to my uh, to my heart, to my uh, to my body, uh, my spiritual life. What what would be the the temperature? Where am I at spiritually? Have I surrounded myself, or am I am I in my uh, am I the family that he's talking about here, or do I have family? It is always people around us that have affected our spiritual life. For the better or for the worse. Some of us praise God for godly family, for godly parents, for godly spouses, who because, because of whom our faith is still alive today. But that some of us also struggle with those who don't, don't walk with the Lord. They are not in the right place with God. And the sad thing is that God is not able to do great things either through you or through them because of your unbelief. I just, I just wanted to stop and think about this. I don't even have a conclusion here. I want us to just allow this to sink in. He came to his own country, his own relatives, in his own household. And he could do no mighty things there. His own family lost out. His own family lost out on it. And because we're not able to see past the physical, we're not able to see past the relative, the cousin, the brother, the, the husband, the wife. We're not able to see past the, their human uh, existence, their human identity and the profession. Isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't this Joseph's son? Isn't this Mary? We know his brothers and sisters. And because of what, because of the carnal way we are able to see, we are not able to see what God can do. And when we can't see what God can do, we don't believe for anything great that God can do. Don't give up on your family. Don't give up on your sister, your brother, your, your father, your mother. Don't give up on your spouse. God is at work. And it is unbelief that, that holds God back from working, not God's incapacity to work. I repeat, it is your unbelief. It is my unbelief that ties the hands of God and not his incapability because he will not work where he does not meet faith. Going over verse 5 and 6 again. And he could do no mighty work there. 
Is there anything God can't do? Apparently, there is. What we consider mighty crusades, signs and wonders, miraculous works, what we put lights on and, and action and TV and we, 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 we send our money towards, Jesus thought there was nothing. Jesus did that in his hometown where there was no faith. And we miss out because of the healing and because of what we think is amazing. We miss out on what Jesus thinks is the mighty work of God. And he marveled because of their unbelief. As we uh, begin to prepare to gather again, as we begin to prepare to be in God's presence and Zoom, the chapter of Zoom comes to an end in two more weeks. These are, we have two more Zoom services. This is it. We need to... We need to prepare to enter into God's presence. Uh, we need to prepare for the spiritual discipline of attending church on a regular basis. We need to prepare to start meeting with people for prayer, for Bible study. We need to start putting some spiritual disciplines back into our life, which have waned and have, uh, have been excused because of COVID, because of lockdown. And during that time, faith too has waned. Uh, spiritual uh, disciplines have, have uh, suffered. And we need to give our attention to either repentance or renewal of these spiritual disciplines. Spiritual disciplines uh, support faith. They garner faith. They, uh, they, they uh, increase faith. Spiritual disciplines are, are the framework based on which faith grows. Uh, I'm not saying you don't believe in God anymore. I'm saying we don't believe God for much anymore. Just for sustenance. And if healing is all we're looking for from God, you just heard what Jesus thinks of that. What are the mighty works that God wants to do in our lives? Are we the relatives, the household, the countrymen? Where do we stand with our faith? As we, as we search, as we put a stethoscope to the heart and we ask God, Lord, search our hearts, try us, see if there be any. We need to start planning towards re-engaging and re, uh, reinforcing that which built our faith in the first place. Spiritual disciplines, the discipline of corporate worship, gathering together, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25. The discipline of coming away with Christ, alone, to pray with him in a secret place, the discipline of studying God's word and being devoted to the apostles' teaching, the discipline of serving one another uh, by giving of our own selves and sacrificially, the discipline of prayer, the discipline of giving. All of these things, they garner faith, they, they increase our faith. And if we have and I'll let the Spirit of God do this in your heart. If we have waned there and we have not been in fellowship and we have not, you know, all the things that would normally help us have not been, then we need to make sure that this is something you're going to get back to. You have goals in every other area. You're like, okay, you know, when COVID is finished and when we're in lockdown, so I'm going to go walking again. I'm going to go back to gym again. I'm going to start uh, this again. I'm going to meet up with those friends. I'm going to travel again. Well, Apart from all of those other new goals and uh, refreshed uh, 
tasks that you have and desires that you have. Please move your spiritual agenda to the top. You know what we call that? We call it loving Jesus. If you love me, you'll obey my commandments. Move the agenda to the top. Show him that he's more important than your job. He's more important than your spouse. He's more important than your dreams and ambitions. That he's worthy of your worship, the very worship of your life. And if you are not understanding what I'm saying and you don't feel uh, what I'm saying is important, then please consider Christ as your savior. Please consider the fact that he has died for you and he has given his life for you and he, he has bought you with his price. So you are not your own, you are bought with a price. You belong to someone who loves you. Not someone who is abusing you or trafficking you. Someone who loves you. Someone who wants the very best for you. What do you need to start putting back into place as lockdown um, unfolds, uh, opens up as COVID goes away, as life returns to normalcy? What do you need to put so that your faith goes right to the top again and the agenda of God goes right to the top again? And you make sure that you're not found to be one of those with whom uh, Jesus is surprised. He marvels at your faith, unbelief. Let us be family, family members, and a church where Jesus comes in and he says, I could do great works here because of the faith that I saw here. Because of the faith that I saw here. Father in heaven, only you can do such a deep work in our life. Only you can shake us uh, so that we may come back to you. So we were drawn. The, 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 the father says that I have drawn you with an everlasting uh, arm. I, I, the long arm I have drawn you back and I have loved you with an everlasting love. The spirit of God is searching and seeking uh, those who, who, whose hearts are soft towards him. The shepherd is looking for his, his sheep and calling his sheep by name. Lord, let no one of us be left back. I ask, Father, a very difficult prayer. I ask that we feel the heat of hell behind us and we see a vision of heaven in front of us. I ask that we feel the heat of hell behind us and we feel the vision of heaven in front of us because both these are real. The only thing that is temporal is the flesh and blood and the earth we live on. Oh God, help us to live as eternal people. Help us, give us an eternal perspective. Revive and renew us, I pray. In Jesus' name I ask. Amen.